Okay, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining me for another episode of the Typical Skeptic Podcast. I have an amazing person with me today. She's studied years of spirituality and mysticism and come to uh, awesome conclusions about out-of-body experiences. And I have with me Marilyn Hughes. She had a long-standing career in broadcasting as a news anchor, reporter, and producer. She's experienced, research, written, and taught about out-of-body travel and mysticism since 1987 and written more than 50 books about out-of-body and mysticism. Some of her books are Come to Wisdom's Door, How to Have an Out-of-Body Experience, Principles of uh, World Beyond Death, Reincarnation and Karma, The Out-of-Body Travel Foundation Journal, We All Are Shadows, The Hammer of Mysticism, Out-of-Body Experiences, What You Need to Know, The Christ of Redemption, and The Lord of Redemption. So they are all amazing books. You can find them on Amazon. And I want to welcome my guest today, Marilyn. How are you? Thank you for joining me. I'm doing great. It's great to be with you, Robert. Thanks for the invite. I, I, I wanted to talk to you because I had my first, I, I think I had my first out-of-body experience or something that resembled, you know, I, I, I was, I feel like I was out of my body and I, I can, I get, before we get into it all, I, I guess I can explain to you what happened. Like I've been experimenting with hemisync binaural beats and yes. trying deep meditation to have an out-of-body experience. So um, the one night I had the hemisync, I was sitting right at this desk. I had the hemisync beats on and uh, all of a sudden, like I started to vibrate or shake like, like pretty strongly, you know what I mean? And yep. I heard <laughs> to not get scared. So I, I made sure to not get scared. And then I started to hear sounds in my head and, and it, it was almost like a whooshing sound or a rushing sound. Yes. I, I can't believe it's, 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 it's a, and then all of a sudden I was like over here and I was looking at myself and then I got scared and I saw I came back right into it. Is that somewhat of an, I mean, is that the beginning of what it would yeah, be? Yeah, that out-of-body? sounds like you had your first out-of-body experience and it's very similar to the one I had. You know, the very first, well, the very first experience I had when I was nine years old, which, you know, was kind of a pre a pre-ord, precursor to, you know, giving me information that I would have a, a purpose and a mission in life. But my first one as an adult was very similar to yours. And I also shot back to my body because I was afraid. And so what you're hearing there, you're hearing the sounds of the astral plane, which is a higher frequency than your physical body and what you are accustomed to hearing. So the moment you were switching and you went into the vibrational state, you're switching from your physical vibration to your spiritual vibration. It's a higher frequency. There's a huge, you know, the, the vibrating, it's very powerful as you can attest to now. And then, you know, some people will, I describe it often as like jet engine noises. You're, you're feeling it as whooshing through your head. And that's exactly right. They're both right. You know, we hear, um, these sounds because the frequency is higher and that's actually what you're hearing. You know, when you rev a car engine and the sound changes, that's what's happening because the frequency goes up and you're hearing this, this uh, emanation, which is much different than what you are normally accustomed to in your everyday conscious waking life. Well, I think that's amazing. And um, I, I think you've done something that I didn't really... I didn't take into consideration uh, before I found out about you and you, it gives the very essence of the out-of-body experience and I think that you've connected the aspects of spirituality and mysticism to out-of-body experiences and I don't think Bob Monroe I give Bob Monroe a lot of credit but I don't think he did that you know whereas you you have and can you talk about how they correlate well it's very important and um The reason why is because we do not understand that we have a history of this. We think this is new. It's not new. It's as old as time. And every world religion was founded on a revelatory moment, which is often an out-of-body experience. And so when you actually trace back the roots of every religion back to the moment of its founding, which is the moment of that revelation, you're usually looking at an out-of-body experience. I have another book called Near Death and Out-of-Body Experiences, Auspicious Births and Deaths of the Prophet, Saints, Mystics, and Ascetics. And that one is in particular to take you to that moment 
when these religions were born. But we see it much um, much further than that. We see it not just in religion. We see it all throughout. We see it in all the mystical practices. We see it in tribal religions, in shamanistic practices. Even when you go all the way back to Stone Age religion, out-of-body experiences is kind of the foundation point of the spiritual evolution and awakening of humankind from the beginning through our entire existence, and we see it now. And when you bring up what Bob Monroe did, Bob Monroe did some fantastic work. He you know, founded the Monroe Institute. He does the hemi-sync and the binaural beats. And ironically, my first publisher was personal friends with him. And you know what we, what we see in terms of any type of thing that is being brought into the earth, there will be different phases of it. And so he brought it in as this concept, this experience. And then, you know, I was called to come in and expand it further. And certainly there will be others after me who will come and expand it even further. And so that is how we actually bring evolution into humanity by these phases of thrusts which, you know, so Robert Monroe, his destiny was a thrust of energy and understanding. And then we're bringing in this next thrust of energy and understanding. We're making possible certain types of experiences, awakenings, and spiritual progress on higher, finer levels and frequencies for individual souls and for humanity. Yeah, I, I wanted to just tell you real quick. I um, actually got to hear a, uh, an interview Robert Monroe did. He, you can, it's still on the internet. He did an right. interview with Art Bell, and because um, I'm a big Art Bell fan, you know, and I talk about that a lot on my show. But anyway, he talks about you know his out of body experiences. Well, even though he refined it and he wrote a lot about it at the beginning, they were very raw. Like he was yeah. just floating around his ceiling and looking at him and his wife down in his bed. And he didn't know what it was. And then he went to psychiatrists and, you know, he, they told him that one psychiatrist said, I do it too. So in back in that time, it was very taboo, you know, but right. now, um, you know, like you said, with what you're bringing in the spirituality, the consciousness, the mysticism, it's also very interesting. And I, I think it's, uh, I think it's needed at this time to show us that consciousness exists after we die that we're not just this meat suit and that, uh, <laughs> you know, what are your thoughts? Well, I absolutely, absolutely. Not only does consciousness exist after we die, but a big part and purpose within understanding these things and studying them is what I call the purification journey. We did do a film called The Grand Phases of the Soul, which outlines the three great grand phases of the soul as taught in Buddhism, Catholicism, and as it was laid out to me through my out-of-body experiences. And I only later realized there was a correlation between the three, the three paths of Catholicism, Buddhism, and, and then just my own experiences. What we find is that souls incarnate here because they are here for karmic purification. And so when we enter into that purification journey by understanding these things, we accelerate the possibilities of what we can achieve spiritually in this life. And of course, if we do that, we accelerate the possibilities for achieving whatever destiny we have each individually come in and fulfilling the specific cause of our incarnation here where in the past and we see this in the present as well there is a very strong tendency within a human soul to circle and this is what i mean when i say karmic circling which is that we can waste a lot of time we can come into lifetimes and move through many lifetimes and not even realize that there is a similar element in each life that is showing us what our primary vices, our primary issues, our primary habitual in illusions or delusions about reality are. And 
we can end up circling, just kind of wasting time. And so what out-of-body travel does for us, it opens this door. It provides the key to us by literally focusing us immediately upon why are we here? We incarnated because we have some things that need to be purified and we have past lifetimes that we need to understand and process and then alter some of these patterns and habits that we see from past lives into the present. And we just have a general purification journey that allows the soul to go through these vibrational raisings, achieve higher and higher thrusts of energy, frequency, and vibration. And we then find souls can actually begin to finally finish what they came here for. Yeah, and I, I what's interesting is if you think about it, like back in like the 50s, 60s, 70s, I don't I don't think this was being talked about as much. And I guess this is where I'm getting to. I'm wondering if you think, are we in a shift of consciousness? You know, a lot of people talk about that, you know, a golden age is, you know, that we're, we're entering into a golden age. A lot of people say we're entering into the age of Aquarius. A lot of people say that we're in the galactic center of the Milky Way. In 2012, the Mayan calendar uh, ended. And if you take into the, just like the physical aspect of the internet, all these things can be information sharing, consciousness raising events. And do you believe that we are at a time where souls can finally end these karmic cycle, cycles of, you know, repeating behaviors? Well, the truth remains, and this is one of the fantastic and fascinating things that, you know, discovering the ancient sacred texts of the prophets, saints, mystics, sages, and ascetics does for us, is that we are always in a time where we can do that. But what the work that I'm bringing in attempts to do is it tries to bring a focus to individual souls who are really energized and really wish to progress spiritually in this life and how to do it and how to get to the, you know, the, the thrust of the matter, the core of the matter in terms of why they are here, what they need to be doing in order to fulfill that mission. So there is, um, there are people that are becoming incarnate who have certain things that they are intended to bring in that are making it easier. We definitely have a much more open dialogue about this stuff, because as you mentioned, like in Robert Monroe's time, which started in the 1950s, he passed in 19, late 1990s, I think it was 98 or 99. I'm not sure if that was the right year, but he passed then. In the 50s, um, it was totally taboo. Um, and now, you know, we're seeing uh, about 70 years later that um, the openness, the desire, the, the actual interest has spiked. I can see it even from my own lifetime. 35 years ago when I began, it was considered much more taboo. And now people are realizing that this has transformative potential for each of us and it can become a tool of that which literally alters the speed with which we might overcome and purify from those things we came in here to do now what are some of these things we can do to um I don't know if, if, if we want to tackle actually have it to have an out of body experience or do some of these purification things that could accelerate the soul, whichever way you want to go with that. Like, you, you know, whatever you think. Well, sure. And, you know, I have a whole set of books on the how to, it starts with come to wisdom's door, how to have an out-of-body experience. And there are nine books you can follow. Um, we also just recently released a film called how to have an out-of-body experience, <clears throat> excuse me. And, its sequel is the Tao of mysticism, how to become a deep mystic. And so if you really want to go deeply into those things, we have all those things available. A lot of people read the mysteries of the redemption, a treatise on out-of-body travel and mysticism. And uh, I was told when I was writing it by the spirit world, but also have heard since that when people read it, Sometimes it inspires spontaneous experiences. So a lot of people will 
read that along with Come to Wisdom's Door, and it's very helpful. Um, so check out those resources. You know, it's all uh, all of our stuff, by the way, is free for download. So my books, you can go to the website at outofbodytravel.org, and you can download all of those books for free. You can also get them in whatever format you like. We also have our videos, our films, you can watch them for free. We have a YouTube channel, a Rumble channel, and special TV. So you have several options of where you can go to uh, see uh, what we're doing. Um, uh, in terms of like some basic things, so let's start with how to have an out-of-body experience. What you're going to find in uh, Come to Wisdom's Door is that it will go through a series of signs that awakening is happening, the kinds of things that block it from progressing, the kinds of things that you might want to do to increase your odds of reaching the states of consciousness that are required to get there. You know, when you simplify it, it's going to be prayer, meditation, spiritual reading. Ironically, this too is not new. This is what has been recommended by the prophets, saints, masters, and sages from time immemorial. You know what I mean? Um, one of the things I do point out to people is when you're doing the type of meditation that I would recommend, I usually recommend a mindfulness meditation, but I want you to do it lying down and plan. I know not everyone can do this every time they meditate, so don't worry about it if you can't do it every time, but you want to have times where you take up to three hours to meditate because in the beginning, especially, it takes time to reach that depth of consciousness where you can separate from the body. So you're literally doing a practice. So you're doing it over and over again. A lot of people get very frustrated. It's like, well, I've been doing this and I should be. And it's like, well, no, this is a practice which actually cultivates that gift within you. It makes it possible. So you keep practicing just like an athlete practices for their sport. You practice for this depth of consciousness that you need. Um, the prayer is important because you have to have this continual dialogue that goes from earth to heaven. And the spiritual reading is important because it's what we do that informs our soul, keeps the frequency in the place it needs to be where we become more and more receptive. The second thing you mentioned, the path of purification, you can start this in a number of ways. Um, a, a, what, what you'll find is if you start having out-of-body experiences, and I see this with all the people who write to me, that it happens this way for all of us. Um, that you will start to have things shown to you. Often you'll start to see your own past lifetimes. Um, and then you'll hopefully then begin to see, oh, wow, I'm starting to see a pattern here. This is what I'm doing over and over and over again. That must be my key issue. If you're having those experiences, then you'll also have experiences where things are pointed out to you. You will get very specific and direct instruction from the spirit world about what you need to look at. You know, if you're a gossip, it's going to be shown to you. If you've got um, delusions uh, or illusions about how reality really is, it's going to be shown to you and then it will be brought into you energetically. And that's what makes it different when you're having out-of-body experiences because one of the first things I like people to understand is knowledge is not information. Knowledge is vibration and frequency. And so the whole key with out-of-body travel and the path of purification is increase your vibration, increase your frequency. When you start having experiences, you will start undergoing vibrational raisings. And that's when the, you will be revved up and down because your vibration is being fine-tuned so that you can slowly achieve higher and higher spheres of existence and states of consciousness. Now, the other way, which is you know simpler, and um, it's for all of us because it's also definitely recommended to go along even if you're just having out-of-body experiences all the time this is something I highly recommend but I also tell people whether you're having any experiences or not this is something you can do and you know so there is 
a whole body of knowledge in mystical theology. Um, you see a lot of this mystical theology, the, the Catholic tradition probably has, I'm looking at my shelf, has the most, but there is a mystical theology that goes across all world religions and traditions. And so you'll find that mystical theology exists in all of those, but we have it in a higher, in a heightened state in the Catholic faith. When you read mystical theology texts, these are literally the science of the soul. It is the way that we can start to pick apart our own purification journey from a conscious level. And so um, if you're not having any experiences, you can start the purification journey very simply by doing this, reading mystical theology text. Start by reading the mysteries of the redemption. It'll take you into that process. Um, that's the spiritual reading aspect. But also you want to be able to do that even when you start having experiences because this study informs the experiences. We are, you have to remember that, you know, uh, God doesn't really have time to reveal everything to each individual soul. And so what we find is God has revealed aspects of himself to the thousands of prophets, saints, mystics, sages, and ascetics from all over the world throughout history. And so what do we do then? What do we want to do with that? Well, what you find then is it's like, well, you want to know God, you want to understand how this universe works. You start studying those ancient sacred texts because you're getting to know God's friends, you know, and every one of them brings a different kind of thrust into your understanding. And you'll find at my website that I've done a lot of that work for you. So you can read a lot of the books. I have a lot of, uh, you know, world religion, out-of-body travel and world religion books that you can read, which will give you these overviews of how these things are covered in ancient sacred texts. Like, for instance, I had a near-death experience in 2003, and one of the things that I was told at that time was that uh, it was told by Christ that the purpose of our life in this realm is to go from selfishness to selflessness. And so ironically, when I did, uh, when I talked about that on coast to coast um, at that time, people were very interested in that. So I put out a book called Selfishness and Self-Will, The Path to Selflessness in World Religions. And so you can have a, an overview understanding of how these teachings uh, go across uh, religious lines because it's a beautiful thing to put together these pieces because the more of these pieces you put together, it's like completing this puzzle. And all of a sudden you have this much grander, broader and complete understanding of what truth is, what God is, what the universal being is. And that is what we are doing in progressing spiritually. Uh, you know, I, I think that was very beautiful what you said that Christ told you that it go, you're supposed to go from selfishness to selflessness. And even if you look at some of like the, the channeled texts, like the, I think it, it might be the law of one or the Seth, you know, they're like the extraterrestrial type. They even say in there that you're supposed to be 50% service to self, 50% service to others, or even a little bit more service to others and less service to self. Would you agree with that statement? Yes, yes. Ironically, um, you're gonna find you're gonna find that there is a real fine line, a real fine balance um, in terms of uh, being cautious about too much self-love, because then we um, we uh, lose that thrust of service. And you'll yeah. see that like in the writings of Emanuel Swedenborg, a 16th century mystic, where he tries to make sure that delineation is clearly made. You can see it in the writings of Paramahamsa Yogananda with the same. Um, many, of the, many of these ancient sacred texts, you'll find that that is a big part of what our purification journey will encompass is uh, learning to find that balance. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that does make sense. Um, 
and then I wanted to ask you, like, what are you likely to see? And oh, th this was a really good question I had. Um, you talk about you go through a lot of transformation, purification, and you move around the astral world, and then you start to go through corridors. Can you talk about that that process of when you first start to ask when when you know like because a lot of people just have an out of body experience and they'll float around their room, but then there's the people like you who've actually traveled through the astral world and you've been taken to these different corridors. Can you? explain that. I think the audience will find that really interesting. Well, the corridors are the gateways that we travel that help us to travel between dimensions, realms, spheres, different realms. So um, the astral plane um, is simply what I call the fourth realm overlap of third dimensional reality. So when you first start having out-of-body experiences, you will... Um, first learn how to manipulate and maneuver through the astral plane and when i say manipulate i'm talking about learning how to work with this different type of spiritual matter not manipulate reality that's a whole nother conversation because that's different um but um <laughs> but um what you're going to learn to do is you know the very first things and like even after your experience the very first things you're going to run into are learning how to see hear and move in the astral plane in your spirit body because all of that is consciousness related rather than from physical organ standpoint so we learn how to do that through thought then you learn to move through walls and windows and you learn to travel around you learn about the shadow realm and that's what it is it's a shadow realm the astral plane is basically a spiritual uh copy with variations of what we see in physical reality so most people will start there because they have to learn a lot of basic things about illusion delusion um how things work uh go overcoming their own darkness and understanding the kinds of mortal darknesses that reside there when you start traveling through the corridors, you're going into higher spheres. So you're traveling to realms five and above, which are realms of light and life. And then you're going to be moving in realms where creation comes from, realms where you will be instructed by higher teachers, um, realms where uh, even just the realms where you learn flight, to a heightened degree uh, because it's something that you learn in stages and you get better and better at it. Eventually over time, you learn something called transference of consciousness where you move through your different spiritual bodies into higher frequency receptacles. And that makes it possible for you to travel to higher spheres. When you go through the corridors, you go through those to enter into the time tunnel, which takes you into past lifetimes to enter into the initiation and rites realms, which is where the initiations into the mysteries and the rites of passage occur, which is fascinating stuff. You're gonna take those to any number of places, whether it be the realms that the Native Americans referred to as the happy hunting grounds, because they do exist, the pure lands of Buddhism, but that's something further in the journey. Um, uh, the celestial spheres, the temples in the sky, the realms in the galactic heavens where the masters reside. Um, you know, I had the pleasure of flying with Babaji, you know, the famous Hindu avatar yeah, in the galactic heavens. And it was just stunning. I painted a picture of it. You can see it on the website. You know, I'm not a great painter, but I did the- you know, I, I saw one of your paintings on a coast to coast. It's pretty amazing. I, I thought it was really good. Thank I you. you. I think you have really good talent. Yeah. Thank you very much. Yeah. I try to capture the essence of the experience. And um, so I really wanted to capture that moment flying with Babaji. I have another painting that you can check out, which is um, of St. Michael as I experienced in him in the galactic heavens, which was really beautiful. You know, another thing I'd like to tell people this because um, uh, not many people realize this, but when you go to heaven, the actual heaven, you're going to travel through black holes, wormholes. These are gateways to other dimensional existence. You get to heaven 
you're going to find there that extraterrestrials are also in heaven. It's not just humans. <laughs> that's amazing. And that, that, that's welcome on my channel because, you know, I, I talk a lot about ufology and extraterrestrials. So I'd love mm -hmm. to hear about it. I mean, like, is it like the greys and the reptile, like the ones people all, all the, you know, the ones we always hear about or like you know, just all different kinds of races? All different kinds of races. And, you know, um, again, in the heavens, you're, you're meeting the ones who are of light and life. Obviously, there are others that, because there are other extraterrestrial species who are mortal beings like we are, meaning that they deal with the battles between good and evil within themselves and in the worlds that they occupy. So they will have, you know, the heavens and the purgatories and the lower hells like we do. Um, those who reside in light and life, who are highly, more highly advanced, you're going to see them in the heavens and um and so we we find that it's funny because when you go there you you don't even notice it and then when you come back you realize oh my gosh there were extraterrestrials in heaven <laughs> because mm -hmm. when you're there it's normal it's totally yeah. normal that they're there so when you enter into that spiritual reality of your spirit your soul you enter into that that knowledge, that knowing. So you're like, yeah, there's, there's that one over there. And, you know, and it's totally normal. And it's only when you return to your human flask where you're like, wait a minute, <laughs> you know, extraterrestrials in heaven. But that's something we experience with out-of-body experiences a lot. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I, a couple basic questions, and, and these may sound like really basic, but I think these are things people want to probably know before they get into experience. Number the first one is is it possible to uh, for the for the physical body to stop breathing during an experience and then the other question was is it possible to meet negative beings in an experience excellent questions um, the they're both very common questions so you're right a lot of people want to know um, it is not possible for you to stop breathing because you're having an out of body experience. People do stop breathing while they're asleep. So if that happens, they're not related. But let me explain to you um, why that is. So for instance, most human beings do experience out-of-body travel subconsciously. So that means they're not aware of it. And the reason why this is, is if you look at a sphere, and you look at the bottom, like the world, our earth, the bottom part of it is our physical, that little semicircle at the bottom is our physical consciousness, waking experience as physical human beings. The upper sphere is what happens at night because part of the way that we are guided and instructed throughout our lives and always have been is through these experiences. So as you're becoming more and more able to have out-of-body experiences, what's really happening is you are increasing your ability to remember things more and more consciously. It's not necessarily that you're just doing something you're not already doing. So when people are worried about, can I stop breathing? Remember, you're already doing this. When you, when you start wanting to learn to become aware of it, you are simply changing it from something you don't remember to something you become acutely aware of. And as you do that, you're changing everything about your vibration, your spiritual journey, your forward thrust, the direction of your life. Now, going back to the next question, absolutely you can meet negative beings. The astral plane is full of them, just like the earth is full of them. Remember, it's a shadow of the physical realm. Um, there are also purgatories and hell realms that we travel in out-of-body experiences. Most of the time, you will be put through mystical training before you will be taken into some of these things. But there are people who will have negative experiences right off the bat. And so they have to understand a few things. Um, there are prayers. There are uh, things you can do. You call out for Jesus Christ to help you. St. Michael will help you. Um, a lot of times people think, oh, well, that's just a Christian thing. And what you need to remember is, no, when you go into the out-of-body experience, you learn 
the things that actually work. And so it doesn't matter if it's Catholic, Buddhist, or, you know, uh, Shaivist Hindu, you know what I mean? If it works, that's what you learn and understand. And so you, um, you learn a lot. And I talk about a lot in my books about this process of becoming more and more uh, educated on how good and evil work within this mortal realm and within these other realms, within the purgatories, within the hells. And yes, part of our earthly purification journey involves the fact that there are lost souls, wandering spirits, trickster spirits, and of course, dark souls and demons. They all exist. And so these are things, you know, we all go through life where we are hearing the whispers of both the good and the evil. And in the purification journey, we're learning to focus and turn our attention towards that which is of the light. And that's important because people think, well, why would you do that? I already do that, right? They think they already do it. But see, this is why it's so important that we understand we didn't incarnate into this human form unless we actually have karmic issues that we don't recognize. And that's why we need to be open to being instructed because we'll be shown things that we may not even recognize within ourselves over years and years and years without an eternal instruction being directed right to us. And it's like right in your face and energetically, it's shown to you why you're wrong, how you're wrong and what is correct. And then you have the opportunity to process that and change that thrust. That's how you're gonna move into greater and greater and higher and higher spheres. That's, that's pretty amazing. And then uh, I just wanted to go over one thing with you. Uh, this also, I've heard to use the technique, uh, my body's asleep, my mind is awake, which would then some say puts you in a state of sleep paralysis, which I wanted to ask you if that's somewhat normal in these experiences, is so people will know to expect that or not. And uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, there's two different kinds of sleep paralysis that I find are associated with out-of-body travel. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, so first of all, sleep paralysis very much is um, the state when the soul is trying to shift into a different state of consciousness. So yes, your body is asleep and you, your mind is awake. Oftentimes you'll find your body will be asleep and you can see with your eyes, even though they are closed. Um, so that's part of the separation process. If it's part of the simple separation process, it's totally normal and to be expected. There is a different kind of sleep paralysis that it really isn't sleep paralysis, but it happens to people like when they're under demonic attack. Because what the demons will often do to people is they will become unable to speak, respond, move, or even like wake themselves up. And so there is a sleep paralysis, you know, different, I'm not sure if I want to call it that, but it is, it is a form of it where you become paralyzed due to the moment. And that is when you're going to want to be repeating over and over in your mind, because you're not going to be able to say it. So you're going to do it in your mind, Christ crucified, Christ crucified, Christ crucified, or Jesus Christ, come and help me. One of the things that uh, I have learned over the years and have seen is a very common element in near-death and out-of-body experiences of others is that the moment a soul calls for help, prays, or asks for assistance, it is sent literally within a split second. And so those are the things you want to remember is always immediately pray, ask for help. And remember that Jesus Christ is the one who has power over those demons. And so just call for him to assist you and liberate you from that if it occurs. That's often something that will occur later in the path because we do go through periods where we're learning about evil, we're learning about darkness, but there are some people who will have that kind of experience early on and it can be very scary for them. 
do you think God created this dual? I just thought of this question. Do you think God created this dualistic world on, on purpose so we experience positive and negative? And, um, you know, what are, what are your thoughts? Yes, he did. And he did it so that we can choose. We were given free will to choose. And every level of evolution, even when you move through the purgatories and the hell realms, it's just a different uh, level of something that needs to be purified. So even in the hell realms, you're dealing with uh, different types of hells that contain different types of vices, you see? So the reason it's created here, we are in what's called a mortal realm. And that is realms three and four. Below us are realms one and two, which are the realms of ignorance, dominant darkness, and evil. We also have an overlap of those elements that come into this world because part of this purification process is that we incarnate into human flesh and we learn to overcome these things from a human level and choose light over darkness. As we choose light over darkness, then we have the ability to move and graduate through the third and fourth realms into the realms of light, the levels five and above. And so here again, you go back to the ancient sacred texts, the writings of the prophets, saints, mystics, sages, and ascetics. Why is that important with this? Because these are the people who transcended this mortal realm. These are the souls that learned how to overcome what they had to overcome in order to go on to the next level of existence. And so we are missing the point if we don't realize that the words they left behind containing the instruction in those ancient sacred texts of how they did it is truly gold. It is the golden key to everything that helps us to identify and understand the path we must take to also finish here rather than to just, okay, we're going to go back and then we have to come back in and keep doing that. This is how we stop that recycling process, karmic circling, and move towards going to the next level like they have. Now, one thing, I, and I don't think you're going to be able to remember this, the whole quote, because it's a long quote, but um, <laughs> yeah, when we, we were talking before this, I told you I liked your video that you did with about uh, Khalil Gibran and the prophet, and I said I really resonate with that book because, you know, we have the same name, and um, and I think it's a great book, but he's talking talking about a prophet, Mitra, right, in that book, and he says something really interesting about life and death and people that are like... Um, fearing death. Can, do you remember like the, the, the gist of what he said? Uh, not right off the top of my head. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. It was, it was something really interesting that people will have to look it up. Um, but um, I'm trying to think, uh, the, uh, the only other question I had for you is what we also talked about before the show. We, I asked you, we were talking about different cultures just to catch the fans up. And we were talking about um, you know, where we're from and our backgrounds. And I brought up the fact that, you know, like we, you've studied all this spirituality, you know, there's a lot of people in a spirituality movement right now, but the Eastern countries like the, the Russia and China, a lot of them still practice atheism. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just happen to be a more spiritual person. And I, uh, I, 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 had, I, I feel like consciousness continues after death. And I believe people like you, it says it. And from my out-of-body experience, I, I didn't have a full one, but I had somewhat of one. And that kind of woke me up, even though, besides all the people that I've interviewed on the subject. But I wanted to ask you, why is it that these Eastern countries have atheism? And um, why do you think that's prevalent? Well, one of the things we had discussed was, you know, the the actual purpose of a communistic regime is usually involving atheism because they wanna remove God from the lives of the people. And so um, we had talked about how um, when the uh, Iron Curtain fell in 1988, it, it, it wasn't as bad as it was before, but before it was literally you know, against the law in Russia for people to believe in God. And in China, I believe it is 
against the law as well. I, I, or you have to, you know, you're under a lot of scrutiny. Let's put it that way. There are people being, you know, um, persecuted in that country and uh, of, of, of a variety of faiths, including their own faiths that are, you know, uh, indigenous to their country. So the reason why they do it is because political movements often want to have that power and control. And part of the way they do that is they take away that power that goes to a higher source from the people. And that gives the governments or the individuals seeking that kind of power more authority over the people. But um, the difficulty with that and this is why it is a problem, you know, um, it's, uh, it's understandable, we, you know, there are people who are just atheists, um, but what happens uh, in a situation like that, and especially when it's imposed by a government, you are literally cutting off the, the channel through which a soul can actually achieve the purpose of their incarnation here. And so it becomes uh, not only something that puts a dead stop to us achieving what we're here for, but then, you know, it, it uh, revolves on itself because then the atheism goes into all kinds of negative and backwards thrusts of energy and can actually take a soul backwards. So you can actually leave this lifetime and have gone backwards from where you started when you came in. So ironically, those things do have pretty strong significance in um, how this realm operates according to its original divine intention, which is that we are here to purify of these things so that we can actually ascend into a higher state later. But these things do not come you do not receive those energies. You don't receive that thrust from any other hand, you see. So whether you call it the hand of God, the hand of the eternal, um, it is a, an energy that is all of creation. It is, a, it is God. And so if you cut that off, you cut yourself off from the source of spiritual evolution. Yeah, because I mean, would you say that, um, I heard people say that all religions lead you to the same road, you know, like or they all lead you down the same path, which is finding God and becoming one with God. And um, would you say that's true? I would say that there's some truth in it. Every religion leads you down a different path and hopefully to God. It all depends on how each soul uh, cultivates that path in their life. And every religion is different. You know, um, when there are one of the things that I discovered in my path of, you know, studying all these religions and all these mystical paths is that there is a different thrust in each of those major bodies of religion that for me, I felt like, well, I really want that energy that comes from this one but i also feel in order to balance out the energy that comes from this one is really valuable as well as the energy that comes from this one and so there are these pearls that that uh cannot be fully experienced separately right but when you are willing to bring them all together as one you create a much wider path, a much greater understanding as to how you are getting to where you're going and why you are doing that. Yeah, it's weird because like there's like three, I mean, I know there's like Buddhism and, 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 and other religions, but the, let's just take the three, the main three religions, which are the Abrahamic religions, which or Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Okay. They all started with the patriarch Abram. And it's just weird. Like who was Abram? And like, I wonder like, why, why was he the start of all these religions? And 
and it's weird. Like I just interviewed a guy who was from the Middle East. He's a Christian living. He was a Christian living in the Middle East, but now he's like more spiritual. But um, he was talking about, we were talking about how, you know, there's a lot of politics and sometimes involving religion and that there's, they, they fight a lot, you know, and, and, uh, and, and I like kind of like what you're saying, where like, if you take a little bit from each religion or you take the spirituality out of it, it took, it took me to come out of religion and learn about alternative media and spirituality and learn about people like you to uh, become more in touch with God. Well, what are your thoughts on all of what I said? Well, a couple of things um, and remind me if I miss any of those points, because they're all good ones. Um, you know, one thing is, that even coming out of your own particular religion sometimes gives you the opportunity to find all the gems inside your own religion, as well as certain pearls from around, you know, in other places. Um, because a lot of people, like, especially if you were born into a particular faith, a lot of people don't necessarily know what is uh, what it encompasses. And so even just pulling yourself out so that you can even rediscover what your own religious path uh, contains. You know, Mother Teresa would tell people, if you're a Hindu, be a good Hindu. If you're a Muslim, be a good Muslim. If you're a Christian, be a good Christian. And, you know, and so part of that is the simplicity of it, but also learning what's in there you know like for instance i'll give you catholicism a lot of regular catholics don't realize that catholicism is the source and summit of mystical theology it is the true depository where some of the greatest mystics of all time you know some of those were catholic a lot of catholics don't know that at all and there's a lot of things even for buddhists and the abrahamic religions but going back to why the abrahamic religions began with abram who then became abraham this is why <clears throat> and ironically i'm writing a book about uh it's called the aliens of the redemption <laughs> Do you believe is, it was the Anunnaki? Do you think Abram had to, because I, I, I have a source that said, this guy, Gerald Clark, he thinks that Abram's dad, Tara, was working was was working for the, the god Enlil, the Sumerian god Enlil, in the Ziggurat temple in the city of Ur. Um, I don't know what your thoughts are on that. I mean, I, I believe the Anunnaki story. It's, it, it, it's, it's interesting, to say the least. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Well, yeah, and you know, Zechariah Sitchin was the, the archaeologist who first came up with all those theories, and I've read a lot of his books, and I think he has a lot of interesting theories. I was told in Mystical Experience that what I needed to do was read Zechariah Sitchin with that grain of salt, that there's a lot of truth in there, but it's not all that way. Like, for instance, you'll see that in Zechariah Sitchin's work, and in a lot of people's work, they will say, oh, it was the Anunnaki, or it was the aliens with Ezekiel. It was all this stuff, but it's not just that. So Zechariah Sitchin wrote a book called Divine Encounters, and it's about divine encounters in the Bible. And he basically goes across the board and they're all you know, with extraterrestrials. The thing is that we, we have this tendency as human beings, because we live in a pretty limited world, to try to limit God. The reality is there's all of those things. We have the hierarchies of angels. We have hierarchies of demons, but we also have extraterrestrials and a variety of races. And so it's both. So whether or not Abram's father was involved with the Anunnaki, I don't know that answer. But the reason why Abraham is considered the father of all those religions was because Abraham broke from his father, who was um, a pantheist. He believed in the multi multiple God system and Abraham, well, he was Abram first and his name changed to Abraham when he left and started the, the chosen people, the Jewish people, because he was receiving, uh, ironically, probably mystical revelations, which might have come in the form of out-of-body experiences from God to believe in monotheism, one God. You'll see in um, our history, um, another, uh, and this is something I'm writing about in this book I mentioned, which is uh, these points in history when monotheism were brought in, 
are the points where we see the most um, interesting correlations and possibilities where there was extraterrestrial uh, import. So it started with Akhenaten and Nefertiti, which they were the actual very first monotheists in the world. And they started that religion of the, the sun god Ra, um, which was very unpopular in their time and they didn't reign very long. And then people tried to deface everything because people were not happy with it. And they went back to all their gods. Then at almost the same time was Zarathustra who founded the Zoroastrian religion and actually started with the one God, the wise beneficent Ahura Mazda. And he had an entire understanding of good and evil in this world. So he started with that. Then you have the Jewish religion. And so what Abraham did was he started monotheism with the Jewish people. And that was why he is the father of the people of the book, the Jews, the Christians, and the Muslims, because he left um, the worship of multiple gods and idols and went and began to worship the one true God. That's why he's the father of those religions. So I hope that's helpful. Yeah, I, I, I could talk to you all day, I, I, but I'll, I, I, won't, I have just a couple more questions because Jesus is mentioned in the Quran more so than he is in the Bible, I heard, which is really interesting. They consider, in Islam, they consider him a prophet, but like I heard they mention Jesus more times in the Quran than they do in the Bible. Is that true? I don't know. I don't know. I would I would say it's unlikely. Just I've read the Quran and I've read the New Testament um, and of course the old. But um, I would say it's unlikely. When I read the Quran, uh, and this was a long time ago, so let me preface with my disclaimer. I'd have to take another look. He is considered a prophet in Islam, which is very different than what Christians consider him to be, which is the station of Messiah. But um, in the New Testament, the entire New Testament is based on Jesus Christ's teachings and words. When I read the Quran, there was mentions of him and just, you know, kind of mentions of some of his teachings, but nothing to the detail that I recall in the New Testament. So I'd have to relook to be sure. I don't know what where they got that statistic. Maybe he was mentioned more, maybe his name was brought up more, but in terms of talking about him and what he was trying to convey, I think there's more in the New Testament. At least in my experience, I definitely felt that to be the case. Yeah, I, I, when we go back to the alien thing and the ancient alien thing, and this is the last thing I'll tell you, I have, you know, I, I've, I've listened to a researcher who thinks like, he thinks Yahweh was an Anunnaki, he thinks Yahweh was Enlil, he thinks Allah was uh, Enlil's son, Nanar Sin, and this could be traced back to Zachariah Sitchin, it was Gerald Clark who said that, who's, he passed away, He's a, he was an amazing researcher, but like I said, I, I think, like, I agree with you, like, I think, like, you have to look at all aspects of everything. I don't know if we can actually tie these figures to these other figures because I'm just not sure if it's, I don't, I'm not sure, I'm not, I, I don't know. I'm, I just don't know. What, what are your thoughts on this? Well, I think that there is a connection and a tie, but it's something that we may not fully be able to define um, in this physical universe because it's, um, it's historical data that we just don't know. Now, you know, Enlil and Enki and all that from Zechariah, he went back and um, here's a couple of, you know, just trivia, trivia points on these things that are interesting. I don't know how much it will tie for you, but it was interesting because um, Zechariah Sitchin uh, read those Sumerian texts and Enlil and Enki, and they created this slave race. And it was in this area in Africa. And what I thought was fascinating was a few years later when they did that DNA study to try to under, you know, uncover where you know, men, humankind began, it was also in the same region in Africa that Zechariah Sitchin's readings of those texts had pointed out. And so in that particular text, Zechariah Sitchin with Enlil and Enki, and then with the DNA studies, and then with the biblical Adam and Eve, um, the theories do converge that the Garden of Eden, the DNA studies 
converged that it was in that place in Africa, Sitchin con, con, you know, uh, conversed as well, that the beginning of mankind, Adam and Eve, you know, Eden was in that place in Africa. And then we have um, uh, these other texts, which talk about all those stories. And so there's a connection, you know what I mean? You can bring, it's interesting to try to bring uh, archeology span and then, you know, now that we have DNA science and then also, look they found at the, the ancient past. Somebody was mining gold. They, they right. gold mines like 100,000, 200,000 years back. Who was mining gold 200,000 years ago when each supposedly we weren't around? If you look at contemporary history, we weren't around or if we were, we were like a stone age species, so we wouldn't be mining gold, right? Like, you know, well, it, and are you familiar with the theories around the mining of the gold? Uh, yeah, I, I'm pretty, I, I, I'm really into, I, I mean, if it's the Anunnaki, I know, yeah, they, we were made to mine, we were supposedly made to mine gold for the Anunnaki because they needed it to shield their radiation from the- Exactly, exactly. Uh, so those theories then, become more interesting because, you know, in Sitchin's work, that is exactly what he had uh, translated those texts where uh, we were a slave race, you know, digging up the gold mines in Africa and the gold was to be used in their atmospheres to uh, shield the radiation um, on their planets and wherever and all that kind of stuff. And then, you know, so it wasn't intended that we would ever become more then that slave race, we were a bunch of worker bees, basically. But those kinds of things, you can put those together and like, okay, well, we don't know for sure, but we have some evidence that points to that this could be somehow possible, related, et cetera. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, and my last question for you, and, I, and I, this was an amazing question because I'm sure you know something about this. like. Um, if we were genetically engineered or if we were made by God, like right. these chakras and pineal gland that were put into us so we can achieve higher states, like, isn't that just, it, that, that, that can't be, and people have measured, um, they, they can take a picture of the chakra like a certain way. It's like a certain kind of imaging right? and, you, and you can measure the, um, the energy body you know you can you know like there's there's things that that say that these things really exist like well the we know the pineal gland exists but there's proof that the chakras exist so i just think it's a a marvel that uh either a, a creator god or the anunnaki whoever somebody installed this in us so we could achieve higher states what are your thoughts well definitely and um there is a point in the evolutionary cycles where there were several points actually, you know, and I'm, I'm not a scientist, so I'm just giving you basically true, yeah. you know, I'm not that, but, um, but there were, uh, in Zechariah Sitchin's writings, there were points where they decided they were going to uh, bring us to a higher level. There's also points, so here we have another correlation, there's also points in archeology span where we have, you know, the moment when, um, uh, Neanderthal, human beings, Cro-Magnon, when they all overlapped. And then all of a sudden we went to Homo sapien. So we see that these things did happen. They have archeological evidence of it and they don't uh, really have any explanation for, you know, how humanity went from, you know, Neanderthal to Homo sapien. And that's where the theories of people like Sitchin and his, his, you know, all those scientists that have come as a result of his work um, are relevant in the question of, okay, was this um, genetic engineering? And it's very possible and likely that it would be. Because if you look at how uh, different planets might be started and then brought through an evolutionary process, we are going to be given different elements when we are at a point of evolving to a higher being. And I know that in my own experiences, I had a lot of, of fascinating experiences with the Pleiadians, the Alpha Centaurians, the Arcturians, um, 
I had a few experiences with the greys, um, but the greys are, are different because they're mortal beings. So the Pleiadians, the Arcturians, um, Alpha Centaurians, and then there are other species that I do not have names for that are much, much higher in evolution than any of them, but they have all been working here for the spiritual enfoldment of the human being. And so they're doing that as to how they're doing it in terms of the actual genetic engineering. Um, I think that that's, there's a lot of theories out there and we just don't know exactly what it is, but it does seem like that's possibly and probably going on, right? Do so you think we've been tinkered with more than once? Like, do we think we've Oh, I think so. Right? I, that, my guess would be absolutely, yeah. <laughs> that's amazing it's amazing that you've had encounters with these beings like i i didn't realize you had experiences with aliens as well but i could talk forever we've been going for like an hour and 30 minutes so i'll cut but can you tell everybody where they can find your work where they can find your website and all that stuff and you know and thank you by the way oh thank you this has been a pleasure talking to you um yeah. go to the out of body travel foundation website is at outofbodytravel.org you can email me at Marilyn Hughes at outofbodytravel.org, two ends. You can download free books, free films, free art, free uh, music. Um, go to the footers of the page to find all the links to everything that you're going to want, whether it's the YouTube channel, um, the Rumble channels, um, or the Audible podcasts. You'd mentioned the Khalil Gibran. That was one of our podcasts, which goes through Audible and Amazon Music. But if you go to outofbodytravel.org, um, you're going to find everything there. Uh, click on out-of-body books to download free books, out-of-body films to download free films, out-of-body music and art. And then in the footer, you're going to have all the links to where you can buy paperbacks, Kindle or other electronics or Audible. Everything we have is in Audible where you can watch all our stuff. Um, but you can absolutely access everything there for free, along with hundreds of interviews. Um, and we have classes now, too, Udemy classes. And one thing I'd like to just add, if you don't mind, thank you for your patience. No, it's fine. Is, uh, that we are in uh, development right now. I'm writing the screenplays. I'm on episode eight of 12 episodes for the first season. We are going to bring the mysteries of the redemption to uh, film. It will be a series. Uh, Dean Lyon, uh, Lord of the Rings, Armageddon fame, and other great films, great special effects guy, is going to bring it all to life along with Ubiquity Entertainment, Lisa Menzel, Kevin Kellum. And um, at the moment, it looks like we may begin production um, early next year. So oh, you know, keep an eye out for that. This is going to be a really a really excellent way to enhance getting the message to people in a way that will be helpful and very visual. We're very blessed to have Dean Lyon on board, who is literally the best visual effects guy and director in the world, <laughs> you know, one of them. And yeah. Um, so, yeah, so keep an eye out for that. So, you know, we have all of our stuff available for free at outofbodytravel.org and We'll be announcing things as it happens um, on the site, on our Facebook pages, you know, join our social networks to be notified of all the goings on because there's always new things happening. Thank you. So I, I could talk to you forever. This was so interesting. Uh, oh, I had a great time. It was great talking to you, Robert. I really enjoyed it. And I love your questions. Great questions. Really nice dialogue. So I really appreciate the invitation to come on. And thank you. Yeah, all right. Um, well, we'll have to do it again. And, uh, and yeah. uh, have a good day. You too. Thank you very much.